technology is critical to the, the, the future of healthcare, but it's not enough. An application is not enough or just raw data is not enough. It's actually taking that information and, and putting it in the hands of clinicians and you know, having them be able to make uh, better decisions, real time, and in a, in a much more timely fashion. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Isles, President and CEO of AHIP. And I'm your co-host, Laura Evans. Welcome to the next big thing in health, where we explore the big ideas that make healthcare work better for the American people. If you're enjoying this season of the show, don't forget to like and subscribe. Today, our guest is John Ko, CEO of Alignment Healthcare. John is a seasoned healthcare executive with decades of experience growing and developing health insurance plans, healthcare delivery systems, and information technology groups across the country. At Alignment, John leads the senior-first Medicare Advantage company with a track record of improving clinical outcomes while also improving the care experience. John, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Laura. Glad to be here. Great to have you with us. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and jump on in, and maybe just to start off, John, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to Alignment Healthcare and what brought you to the company. Well, I've been in this uh, business, this industry for a long, long time, um, 25, 27 years. Um, but really what, what caused me to start Alignment seven years ago was a very personal experience uh, involving my mom. And it was a Sunday morning at about 7 a.m. And I get this call from her and she is kind of screaming at me quietly in Chinese. And she's going, get over here, John, get over here. I'm going, okay, this can't be good. So I get over there in about 15 minutes. And the paramedics, the fire firemen, the, the police, the rangers, everybody was there. And what happened was she had a massive heart attack. And um, she was in the cath lab in 45 minutes. Had three stents put in. Um, and uh, she spent three days in uh, ICU, three days in telemetry with the best hospitals here down in Orange County. Um, she had great nurses, great doctors, great cardiologists. Um, but when she was discharged that uh, sixth day, uh, I, I, was, I was frightened. I, I, was, I was scared, I was frightened. Nobody talked with each other, uh, her primary care, her specialists, um, uh, the, the cardiologists, nobody knew anything. And so when she was discharged, she was just discharged into this ether. And so I, I, I had a very strong sense of there's got to be a, a better way um, where if you've got the best hospitals in the world, the best doctors in the world, best nurses in the world, um, and, and, and there's nobody that is the advocate for her. Um, so right then I, I, I had a very strong sense of obligation and responsibility to do something about that. Um, and, and that's where we started Alignment Healthcare. So you bring some skin to the game and that's, you know, I, I think really important and, and, and an incredible story that others, a lot of your uh, customers I know can probably relate to, John. Um, I know that Alignment describes itself as an integrated healthcare company. And for those of us who might not know what integrated 
healthcare company, what that means. Can you briefly explain what that means and how it affects the way you approach? Care? Yeah, I, I think I think the traditional definition of that is you know just is tiger, meaning they have insurance products, they have care delivery products, um, uh, and and you know they have hospitals, they have doctors, etc. And it's it's kind of integrated. I think what we've tried to do is take it a step further. Um, and we would actually refer to it as virtually vertically integrated. And it gives us a platform that allows us to scale and replicate the, a, a business model um, with the level of consistency and quality that we think seniors deserve. And so what I mean by that is uh, we have uh, the insurance uh, 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 products that we sell directly to the, the seniors since we are in the Medicare Advantage business. Um, but we really partner with the community doctors and the community hostel, hospitals. But what, what we've done is we've said, you know, given our learning, given our experience, we know that 80% of the spend in the healthcare system is really confined to really 20% of the vulnerable, the high risk, the polychronic and the frail. And, and so, so what we decided to do was build um, a couple of things. One is to identify who these individuals are. And then secondly, proactively care for these people initially at home, but then also with virtual capabilities. And so, so the model really is we partner with the doctors and the hospitals and the community, so we don't have to build hospitals or we don't have to add additional bricks and mortar to a, to a community. But we say, we're gonna partner with you. We're gonna bring you the tools of how to be successful in, uh, in Medicare Advantage. Uh, but we have our own nurses, doctors, clinical teams that partner with those community doctors and hospitals and care for that 20%. And so we call that program Care Anywhere. Um, and so we create this aligned system, or go the name Alignment Healthcare, where the, the, the doctors, the hospitals, and the insurance companies all seamlessly work together for the benefit of the consumer with kind of the linchpin being just transparency and data. That, that's, that's kind of what, what we mean by it all. And, and you're talking about seniors and loneliness, you know, it's, it's just been so pervasive throughout yeah. COVID right. and, and throughout the pandemic. Um, what steps is alignment taking to reach seniors right now um, at a time when we can't, when we can't be together and it's going to continue for so long? Yeah, so that, many that's, people. that's just a great question, Laura. Um, I, I would say three things. Um, I, I think first and foremost, it starts with uh, one of our values, which is you got to care. You have a serving heart. You just got to, you got to really care about the senior. That's number one. I know that sounds simple, but I think it's so fundamental. Number two is also simple is you got to listen, listen to what they are needing and what they are saying, what they're asking. And then third, be in a position to do something about it, both in the form of uh, what would you include in the coverages and the benefits as part of the program, Medicare Advantage program, but also community related and social kinds of activities. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, we, we had these, uh, these things that we called virtual town halls. It was really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, it's basically you, 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 you notify every single member, you have a virtual town hall where it's a telephone dial in, 
and then you, you say you know tell them for yes press one for no press two for, for for if you have additional questions press three on their phone pad and so this is about a year ago when we had the pandemic we had i don't know we had something like you know 65 or 70 thousand members or over eighty six thousand members now but but to my shocking amazement, like 56,000 of these people participated in a series of about eight of these virtual town halls. And so we just asked them basic questions and then listened to their responses. And one of the responses, remember a year and a half ago when, when the pandemic hit was, you know, we said, you know, stay at home, shelter at home. And they kind of go, well, that's great guys, you know, but we got to get food. We don't have anybody to get us food or bring us food. And so, so we listened, right? And so we did something about that. We delivered 45,000 meals to seniors. We just, we got, we worked with CMS, we got the okay. And then we just, we worked up with a couple of local vendors and just delivered food to people, delivered meals. You know, th those kinds of things. They're just listening to them. And then obviously when, 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 you, when we design our benefits, it's, it's really curated to what the, have told us they wanted, whether it by, be by acuity level or by ethnicity uh, or, or by income. Um, so I, I think I think I think just caring, listening, and then being in a position to actually act and do something with no bureaucracy, just getting it done for them. It's so important, John. You say that you just have to care. I love that notion, right? You really do need to feel passionately about making a difference, and and sort of pull in one of the other threads about your virtually vertically integrated company and, and how you are using data. Maybe you could talk about um, how you're using your own data management technology to care for seniors and what kind of data are you using and how's it being used to really best serve seniors? Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, our, our, our system that we coined AVA, which is the Alignment Virtual uh, Assistant, is really a function of all of our learnings uh, over the years. And, and it's, uh, to, in a previous company that we were with, we, we, we were able to bend the cost curve pretty significantly. Um, but in a retrospective review, we realized that still like 40% of the people were still hitting the ED. And so what we really concluded was we needed a way to identify who these polychronic patients or high risk and vulnerable patients were earlier in the process. And so we, we set out to uh, identify what systems were available and, and there weren't any. And we talked to all the big data management companies, the different vendors, there, there literally wasn't any, so we had to build it ourselves. And so what we do is we, we ingest data um, because we were the, we're the health plan, you get a lot, you get all the real-time demographic data, you get the lab data real time you get the pharmacy data real time you get the encounter data real time you get any kind of authorization data that you may have real time all you know you get um, admission discharge uh, and transfer data from the hospitals real time and so you get all of this information real time that we actually then run through our algorithms to identify who we think this 20% of the, of the polychronic population are. And it took us a couple of years in the early days to, to build that. Uh, and, we, and we continuously improve on that. And I do think that, that you know, introducing uh, pharmacogenomic testing and, and, and data is gonna be coming down the road. 
But that kind of information, plus additional social determinant information is gonna be all packaged in to get more and more precise as to who these folks are. And then, and then after a couple of years, okay, it's, it's kind of working. We know who these folks are. What do you do about it then? Because the existing system isn't set up to proactively care for them. So we had to create something called Care Anywhere, which was these care teams that would literally, once identified, proactively outreach uh, to these individuals, and we would send nurses to the home and care for these folks. Um, but, but the data is designed around uh, the, the, the consumer and, and, the, and the member. Everything is designed on the front end uh, around the member. They're not, and, and I've been in large health plans before in the past, so a lot of the information in the large health plans is really based on back-end systems. You notice I didn't talk about claim systems, right? Because claims, by definition, is 60 days old. And you can't, there's not actionable. It's useful uh, for administrative uh, functions for uh, retrospectively documenting risk adjustment or, or STARS, which are critical, uh, obviously really important. But it's not, it's not real time enough to help you identify and take action on, 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 the, on the polychronic that need, need the care the most. Um, and so, so, so our whole view is technology is critical to the, the, the future of healthcare, but it's not enough. An application is not enough or just raw data is not enough. It's actually taking that information and, and putting it in the hands of clinicians, both our employed clinicians and our partner uh, uh, clinicians and you know, having them be able to make uh, better decisions, real time, um, uh, and and in a, in a much more timely fashion. There's there's very little latency with this, which is a big one of the big objectives we set out for. Is you can't you can't you know have transparency when it's really sixty or ninety days old. You need it like now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and John, you talk about technology. I mean, this pandemic has really changed everything when it comes to you know this this massive uptick in the use of telehealth in the pandemic. Um, have you found that seniors are using telehealth more as well? Have they really taken to this technology or is it really still an unfamiliar wild, wild west territory for them? It's, they, they, they have. I think the adoption rates are, are, um, are, are sustainable. Um, I, I think in, in our opinion, it's still early stage, um, meaning the, 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 the technology itself is available the data that supports the technology and then the backend clinical intervention from the technology, I think is where a lot of this is gonna start evolving to. Um, there are vendors out there that have the technology, but they don't have any data or they won't take any of the data or, or, or EHR information, or in our, in our view, we call it a patient 360 view. They can't, they can't take that information, even though we have it. And so we had to build our own version of that. And, and kind of pre-pandemic, we were 100% seeing these, these uh, vulnerable populations at the home. Uh, it's about 20% of our population. And uh, uh, during the pandemic, 100% was virtual. Um, and so what's interesting to me is post-pandemic, we still have about 70% of our interactions now virtual, both telephonic and video. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the adoption level is, is, is forced, so, so to speak. 
I think the experience is going to continue to get better and better and better for seniors uh, and for everybody, for that matter, particularly for follow-up care, uh, particularly for, uh, say, a PCP visit that where you need a prescription or you need a referral. You don't need to go into the office to, to put, get that done. You can have a virtual interaction. Um, uh, is just fine. In fact, with my brother, who's also a member, he, he's developmentally disabled. He's really the reason my mom is, was, was like stressed out a lot is because he's, his, he was getting more and more functionally uh, compromised. Um, but he's a member. And, and so we would have a, a, a video interactions with, with him, his nurse and caregivers, my mom, the doctor, and it's, it was all done via Zoom. And, and it was perfectly, you know, it met the needs of my mom in particular, which was, which was peace of mind, making sure that my brother Abe was, was doing okay. So I, I think you're gonna have more and more um, uh, integrated data with these solutions so that the care deliver can be, care delivery can be more personalized, more directed, Less, uh, just send them to the ER. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsor. 27 million seniors and Americans with disabilities depend on Medicare Advantage for affordable, high-quality care. In fact, there are more people on Medicare Advantage than visit the National Mall each year. If they held hands, they would stretch from New York to Los Angeles five times. Seniors prefer Medicare Advantage because it delivers better services, better access to care, and better value than original Medicare. 27 million strong don't cut their care paid for by the Coalition for Medicare Choices. So we know, John, that uh, alignment serves primarily Medicare Advantage population. And we've seen you know, tremendous uh, uptick in growth in the program. I think as more and more seniors uh, find it to be a, a more attractive option versus you know, the alternative of just being in traditional Medicare. What do you think it is about Medicare Advantage that is you know, unique or that helps you deliver benefits that cater to specific needs uh, of seniors. And, and certainly we've seen that through the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I think CMS got it right on this one. I, I really do. I, I think the entire program is predicated on high quality at a low cost. And so, you know, if you can provide good quality outcomes, both clinical outcomes and experiential outcomes defined really through the STARS measure at a low cost, and the cost we, we really look at through the bid process um, where you have you know, good benefits. If you have low cost, you can afford to have really rich benefits. I think for those organizations that can figure that out, you ought to be in a position to gain more market share. And so really just better services and better coverages um, and, and you know, zero co-pays and zero premiums. I mean, it's getting more and more competitive. I mean, everything out there is zero premium, zero copay. Uh, and, and, and I think, I, think, um, I think just the notion of better care models that facilitate the coordination of care is, is gonna just yield better outcomes for consumers. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise that the market share penetration of Medicare Advantage continues to go up relative to the number of seniors out there. And I think in the next 10 years, it's expected that it's going to be 50% of, of, of all seniors. Yeah. So, I, you know, we're big fans of MA. 
Um, it's no coincidence Mark McClellan, who kind of invented it, is on our board. Uh, so shout out to Mark. But, yeah, I, 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 but, but the other thing I think they did right a couple of years ago was, was increase the definition of supplemental coverages. They really got that right. And they did that to encourage the plans to have more coverages that address uh, social determinants of health. Um, and and the, obviously the, the, the simple example there is if they can't eat, they're going to get sick. I mean, so, so ergo grocery benefits, you know, non-traditional pure healthcare coverages. I think that really, they, they really got that right. And um, I, I think it's going to force kind of this convergence between traditional health insurance and senior lifestyle and, and, and social determinants of how they live. And I think there's gonna be lots of opportunities there for, 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 uh, for more companies. And John, you started to answer the, this question I'm about to ask, but I, I'm wondering if there are other specific benefits you see from Medicare Advantage compared to traditional Medicare plans that, that you can get into a little bit more. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, historically, you, you have, you know, you all, you, all your healthcare coverages, and then you kind of added things like, you know, silver sneakers, and, and you have some basic transportation needs and, and those kinds of things. But now, now there's, there's, um, let me give you a few examples, you know, grandkids on demand. Yeah, I mean, just to, 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 to speak to your loneliness question. You know, we, you, you basically hire these organizations that will send a college student there just to spend time with the senior. Really? <laughs> I mean, is there really a grandkids on demand? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a That's service. That's amazing. But, but those kinds of yeah. coverages, you know, another one is, it's, it's, and don't, now don't laugh on it because I've got a golden doodle here, but <laughs> pet walking services. Yeah, yeah. You know, or pet care services when they have to go into the hospital. I mean, mm. things like that are are addressing um, that we know is a, is a huge problem amongst the seniors, loneliness and just mental health in general. Mm -hmm. Examples, grocery benefits, um, over-the-counter benefits. Um, I, I do think that one area that that you know we're spending a lot of time on is that we believe technology is going to be a social determinant of health. Um, just given what we've been just talking about, meaning the need to uh, educate and train seniors about technology that we take for granted. You know, I was just over at my mom's yesterday, and of course, I'm the Geek Squad guy, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, you know, and it's just classic every single time. It's, you know, hey, John, you know, is, is this Apple iOS, what's that? Is that the same as, you know, Google? Is Google the same as Gmail? Is this, <laughs> is, 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 right? She, they don't know. So, so yeah. I think education, um, training, seminars, I think is going to be really important to get these seniors um, to adopt uh, a technology. And, and she's 89, right? So I'm not just talking about the 65-year-old anymore. I think I think the whole space is going to be, um, we're going to need to invest in training folks and, mm -hmm. and, be, and being patient with them, which, you know, it's hard for me, but, but being patient with, with seniors and making sure they understand the basics of how to use technology so that you can have the virtual interaction mm -hmm. here to stay. Yeah. 
Yeah, John, th thanks so much for being with us today. I mean, both the important uh, stories you're sharing about alignment, but your personal stories as well, it really makes the connection back to alignment even much more meaningful. And so we ask all of our guests this one last question. What do you think is the next big thing in health? And are there any upcoming innovations that you're most excited about? Yeah, Matt, I, I think that um, the, the kind of the realization of um, real consumer centered healthcare that, that has been buzzing around for the last decade. I think ironically due to uh, COVID and the adoption of these technologies um, and the efficiencies that are garnered from it, you're, you're gonna see more and more of that, I think become reality. And I alluded to it in the past, if, if you take the, the funding and, and, and high quality, low cost in, in MA, and you kind of combine that with um, care delivery models that are being developed. And you combine that with, um, as I mentioned also, the supplemental benefits that are designed for senior lifestyle. And you add that to the mix of, of uh, the adoption of technology and virtual interactions and virtual care. You kind of wrap all that up. I, I think the possibilities for, um, you know, re real-time, on-demand care delivery um, is is going to be uh, is going to be upon us, and and we're looking at that very closely with not only our product designs but the way in which we invest in mobile applications and technologies, and and you know the days of being okay with a two-month wait to see your specialist I think are going to be over. I mean, I think being able to see your doctor now or have alternatives and different modalities of either virtual or telephonic or in person, or, or we, we get a lift to pick you up and take you into um, uh, uh, an urgent care center that's contract that has capacity or a specialist that, that, that has an expertise. I think all that on-demand care is going to happen. I think people's expectations will fundamentally change. Um, question is, is it the next year, two years, three years, you know, and I think, I think those that get that timing right are going to be really well positioned for, uh, for, for rapid growth. John, terrific. Thank you so much for joining us here today uh, on the podcast. It's, it's been really enjoyable. Very insightful, John. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of The Next Big Thing in Health. If you like what you heard, please follow, leave a review and tell a friend. You can also sign up for our email list at ahip.org backslash next big thing. Thanks for listening and see you next time.